0: Now, it's fairly common nowadays to read on the news about scams because it is so prevalent, right? So we see on the slide, a woman left with $99 after losing $55,000 in scam and at least $1.2 million lost in Facebook impersonation scams. And then online shoppers cheated of fake Apple Airports. I guess uh, just like Windows users are always susceptible to virus, Apple users are susceptible to scam because they cannot resist a bite of the fruit. See, Pastor Adrin, he shared uh, with me a story in the Philippines, and I have permission to share this with you. As we know, he used to be a a pastor in uh, Manila. And then one day, an older man came from the countryside, and he approached Pastor Adrin. Now, this older man told uh, Adrian that uh, he came to Manila uh, because he was, coming, he was going to the capital to ask for help regarding a case of injustice. He was seeking help from the authorities to fight the case. But he used up all his resources, and he had no money to buy a bus ticket home. So he wanted to borrow some money from Adrian. Now, being kind, Adrian counseled him prayed with him and bought a bus ticket for him. Then Adrian told him not to come back anymore as the journey is long and he's old in age. The Lord is our avenger. Let him carry out justice, he told the old man. But one month later, the old man returned to Manila and came to see Adrian again. Now Adrian was a little bit displeased to see him as he really told him not to come back. But his displeasure quickly changed to delight when the old man said that he came back to bring good news and to thank him. The good news was the Lord has brought justice. And then now this old man wanted to thank Adrin with a basket of crabs. Right? they were grown in the old man's farm. He was going to give the crabs to Adrin as a, as a form of repayment. And according to Adrin, that basket of crabs was worth more than 10 bus tickets. So it's quite a good deal, yeah? But there's a problem. Now this old man said that the basket of crabs occupied a seat on the bus and the seat has not been paid yet. He asked if Adrin would be so kind to help pay for the seat fare so that he can go back and retrieve the basket now left in the bus terminal. Adrian happily gave the money and waited for his crabs. And he even told his church mates, you know, his church colleagues, don't go home, don't go home, there's crabs waiting for you, I'm going to share with you. But the clock kept ticking away, and the staff couldn't wait any longer. And they all left, and as they leave, they all gave Adrian, you know, a slight smile. <laughs> and the crabs never came. Right? Arjun got scammed not once, but twice by the same person. See, his colleagues even asked him the next day, well, did the crabs crawl in last night? now you know as we hear of all these scam stories you know we never think that it will happen to us right because we are too smart we are too wise and we're too alert to be scammed see whenever we receive calls you know from unknown numbers we will just hang up or we will cancel the call we will never get scammed but you know strangely the number of people getting scammed in singapore Kept rising. I see on the slide. Now I read this uh, on the Straits Times and I saw the alarming statistics. Now in uh, and this is a comparison with the first half of two thousand eighteen to the first half of two thousand nineteen. Now in some types of scams, the number of scams has more than doubled, and the amount lost was also doubled. So it is really good to ask ourselves, right? why do people keep falling prey to scams despite all the warnings in different media forms people are still being scammed why do people keep falling prey to scams now let's try to find some answers to that from the first and most ancient scam recorded for us in genesis 3. See, Genesis 3 begins with the introduction of the serpent. It is described as more crafty than any other beast of the few that the Lord God has made. Now, some of us may be asking, oh, why is serpent there in the first place? Well, the Bible doesn't really give us an answer to that. It was simply there. However, God was not surprised by it and it is part of God's creation, just that human beings are, but it probably made a decision to rebel against God at some point before appearing to Eve. I guess we just have to wait until we meet the Lord before we can get the full backstory. But nonetheless, whatever Adam and Eve did later on remained as their choice. They were responsible for their own decisions. But how did the serpent show its craftiness? Well, it firstly engaged in psychological warfare. It asked the woman a seemingly innocent question. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now, it sounded as if the serpent was just curious to find out what God commanded uh, Adam and Eve. But that's not true, right? Because in verses 4 and 5, it seems like the serpent spoke as, he spoke as if he knew God's hidden thoughts and his unspoken intentions. So by asking a question like this, the serpent made the woman focus on, focus more on the one single prohibition and not the generous permission to eat of any tree in the garden. The serpent was subtly planting an idea in the mind that God is not good, he is not generous. It made God look harsher, jealous, self-protective, and mean. And notice that the serpent addressed God with the more distant term God or Elohim. See, in Genesis 2, when the focus was on the creation of man and woman, God is always addressed as The Lord God, or translated from the the Hebrew words, Yahweh Elohim. Now, the Lord God, or Yahweh Elohim, is often the more intimate, more personal, more covenantal name or title of the Creator God. So calling God with the title God is a bit like, you know, you try to speak to my children uh, using my full name rather than what is commonly used by them. So, for example, if you want to you know, ask them a question or scold them, you say, did Roger Cha tell you not to eat sweets from the cupboard? It may sound very harsh, right? In contrast to, did your dad tell you not to? It sounds a lot better, isn't it? So the letter would have been more intimate. And if you read through the rest of Genesis 3, interestingly, the title Yahweh Elohim was restored by the narrator in verse 8. So, did the serpent's crafty strategy of inception work? Well, let's find it out from the woman's response. And notice in verse 3, the woman also called God with the more distant title God, instead of the Lord God. There was immediate distancing and a lack of intimacy in using that title. And then she replied in verse 2 we may eat of the tree of the trees in the garden now that is factually right but something is amiss now we and we see the subtle difference when we compare god's command in chapter 2 verse 16 with the woman's reply and we see on the slide see god commanded the woman in chapter 2 verse 16 you may surely eat of every tree of the garden Now, try to spot the difference here. Guess, firstly, God was not mentioned as the one who generously gave them almost every tree of the garden to eat from. The woman answered it simply as, ah, this is what we can possibly eat, right? And secondly, the word translated surely or freely, next slide, surely or freely, and the word every in chapter 2, verse 16 they are missing again the generosity of god in giving abundance is disparaged and devalued and then the woman moved on to talk about the prohibition in verse three this time round the woman didn't leave out any words but she added words instead you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden neither shall you touch it Well, she exaggerated the prohibition to more than eating touching it was prohibited as well now this makes god sounds harsher and perhaps more restrictive and meaner and then lastly the woman's reply minimized the penalty for disobedience and the severity of the punishment you see, in the original command, God said, "We see the next slide, God, God said that he, you will surely die if they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But in contrast, in contrast, the woman just said, lest you die. Now the difference might sound a bit minor, but he lacked the certainty of death as the punishment for disobedience. It puts a shade on the authority and the holiness of God. The serpent was implying that maybe God, he he may not mean what he said about disobedience, he may not mean about really punishing us by death. So next slide. So we can summarise the woman's reply as one that disparaged God's generosity, exaggerated his prohibition, and minimised the holiness of God and the punishment for disobedience. So the serpent's crafty inception has worked. Its seemingly innocent question has successfully planted wrong ideas about God. And at the same time, it exposed her lack of clarity and precision of God's word with which the serpent will exploit soon enough. So after its successful psychological attack, The serpent went for a full, a full frontal attack in verses four to five. You know, like warfare nowadays it's like dropping leaflets to tell people, you know, don't fight anymore. We're gonna come. You're gonna come, and then they would roll in the tanks. So what did, what then did the the serpent did? Uh, What did he do? uh, For as a frontal attack. Well, the serpent. Next slide. Yep. Serpent firstly denied God's word on the punishment entirely. Now the phrase here is literally. Not, you will surely die. So the not was right at the front. See, playing on the woman's earlier lack of certainty, the serpent now declare that God's threat of death is empty. He's not going to do it, or he can't do it. Right? And secondly, the serpent casts cast doubt he cast doubt on God's character and integrity. It said in verse 5, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, at this juncture, let me say a word or two about the phrase knowing good and evil. Now, the knowledge of good and evil is not simply about having an understanding of what is good and what is evil. Because, in a sense, Adam and Eve already knew that. What is good is what God decided and determined as good, and it has been revealed to them. What is evil is the distortion, the denial, and the disregard of that. See, God is the creator of the whole world, and hence is the king of everything. He is rightly then the lawgiver and the determinator of what is good and what is evil. So when Adam and Eve were tempted to eat of the fruit from the knowledge of good, and evil they were being tempted to be their own determinator of good and evil in other words when they finally ate of the the tree they have decided to be independent of god rejecting his rule and setting up their own rule. they were not simply being lawbreakers but were seeking to be lawmakers now they were not trying just to be more knowledgeable, but they are grasping at being God. And that is why God said in verse 22 later on, that Adam and Eve have become like one of us, knowing good and evil. As you can see then, the serpent was not only saying that disobedience has no fatal consequence But it's actually saying that it has divine blessings and benefits. For they will be like God. They will know good and evil. And the only reason, the only reason they are prohibited from being divine is because God didn't allow them to. See, God was portrayed as selfish and self-protective, reserving divinity only for himself and not sharing with anyone else. The serpent made the woman doubt god's character and integrity the prohibition was no longer seen as good for them and for their protection and with that the woman's focus has totally turned to the fruit she's no longer considering god god's word is out of the picture everything about the fruit now appeals to her See, as many commentators have uh, pointed out, the fruit now seems to be physically appealing. It was good for food. It was aesthetically pleasing, a delight to the eyes, and spiritually desirable in acquiring wisdom. But you know, God has never said that it was meant for food. And while it was pleasing to the eye, the other fruits which human beings are supposed to eat or given to eat from they were also pleasing to the eye and God certainly did not tell them to acquire wisdom in this way but ignoring God the woman ate and gave to her husband who was with her see both of them have decided and determine what is good and evil in their instance they have replaced God's revealed law Values and wisdom of what is good with their own. And the man was with her. Was Adam with her during her conversations with the serpent? Well, we do not know that for sure, but there is that possibility. But whatever the case, there were no questions, no arguments, no correction, no rebuke from Adam. The woman didn't even need to tempt him right? it's like giving ice cream to my children right? you give it to them they will just take it they won't even ask questions they won't ask you why i just the woman simply give gave and the man simply took now if the woman's sin is one of initiative then his is one of passive acceptance so my brothers and sisters in christ Can we stress enough about the importance of knowing God's word and hiding it in our hearts? Now, the reason why the serpent was successful in his scheme is because the woman didn't know God's word clearly and accurately. See, we were not told about how the full process of how the commands of God was passed from Adam to Eve, whether it was done properly or not. But clearly, Eve's lack of clarity of God's word gave the serpent an entry point which eventually led to sin so what does that mean for us well it will certainly mean that we must spend time reading god's word meditating on it and even memorizing it see sometimes the longer you are as a christian it becomes more dangerous right because you assume that i know everything of the bible from genesis to revelation i know everything there's nothing new for me to learn but my friends it is not about learning something new it is letting god and letting his word teach us rebuild us correct us and train us in righteousness And if you happen to be dating or you're married or have children, then read the Bible together. And never let busyness or having young children be an excuse of not reading His Word. In fact, all the more you should be reading. And on the contrary, have conversations with each other on what God is teaching you through His Word. You know, there are times when um, I have opportunity to ask young children or ask my youth... You know about their Bible reading huh? how's it going you know uh, how's reading God's Word and some of them will tell me that they hardly have any input from their parents they are either left to their own resources or just given a book or the only time they hear of God's Word is on the weekends now can I humbly suggest that having regular family time of Bible reading and prayer together is important now it may sound a bit daunting perhaps for some of us who have never done it before but my friends there are enough resources and devotional materials in our book ends and online which you can buy all right and then all of you can just read together and it's okay if you do not have answers to everything that your children or other family members ask because you can just go and read it out go and research on it go and ask your dg leaders go and ask your pastors that's fine And if you are uh, parents of our youth and struggling with it then do come next Saturday to our parents youth leaders fellowship and let pastor Chris right give you some handles on it but when you read through the first six verses of Genesis 3 you realize that the battle is all fought in the mind and in the heart right so much space was given to the discussion between the serpent and the woman Now, once the battle was lost in the mind and then the heart, there was a rapid succession of actions in one verse. Just look at the verbs. She saw, she took, and ate, and gave, and he ate also. See, the battle in the heart and in the mind was long, but it took seconds to get to the hands. You see, Paul Tripp, he said that we are the people who talk to ourselves the most. So we are the first and foremost theologian of ourselves. So that means we must really arm our minds now, all the time, to fight the battle of the heart. It is lost when it gets to the hands. And we saw how Jesus fought the lies and the lures, Of the evil one in Matthew 4 see Satan quoted scripture as well he was holding out the very same promise of independence from God and of glory and he was appealing in half truth see Jesus resisted Satan by knowing what God said clearly and accurately that was the way Jesus fought against temptations and so must we But for the first man and the first woman, they have fallen prey to the first and the biggest scam in the world. The consequences were devastating, to say the least. The initial consequences were broken relationships, right? Verse 7 tells us that their eyes were opened like the serpent said, but not in the way that they envisaged to be. They saw each other's nakedness, Now, it's not that they have never seen each other naked before, they they always have been, but now they are seeing each other's nakedness with tainted eyes. That resulted in fear and shame because they they were afraid, they felt vulnerable of what the other person might think of them or what they might do to him or her. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths to cover their shame and to protect themselves. The once harmonious, united relationship between man and woman is now broken. And the repercussions are great today, isn't it? This broken relationship between human beings can be seen in our fights, in our suspicions between spouses, children and parents, siblings, schoolmates, colleagues. As long as there are human beings with one another, there's always that problem. But secondly, the initial consequence of their disobedience resulted in a broken relationship with God. They hid from God when they were previously able to commune with God face to face. They were ashamed of their nakedness and afraid of facing God. There was guilt, there was shame, there was fear. See, God was no longer seen as the generous and wise king and provider. He's now seen as the terrible judge, the tyrant who's to be feared always. Now, these broken relationships were further evidenced when they were questioned in verse 11. Now, instead of admitting to their disobedience outrightly, the man tried to minimize his culpability by shifting blame. So he firstly tried to pass the buck to the woman. She, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. But the man was also indirectly blaming God. It is the fault of the woman whom you gave to me. I may be at fault, but you guys were at fault first. Now you see, that sounds ridiculous, isn't it? Because God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. So he lovingly made the woman from the man, not outside of the man, not from something else. It was from him. And God gets the blame for the man's sin. You'll be like giving a phone to your, to your youth, right? So that she can be in touch with her friends and her, you know, her teachers. But they blame you for getting them addicted to it. Or when an N.S. boy gets a nights out you know, in the army and he blames his officers for making him spend money. We know it sounds ridiculous, but that's what Adam and Eve was doing. Because when it was the woman's turn, she too tried to shift the blame to the serpent. And today we see that everywhere. Because when we are confronted about anything that we do, what comes to our mind first? We will always point to something or somebody else first. I'm angry because this person did that. I do this because the situation was tough. But ultimately, both Adam and Eve had to confess that they ate. There's no excuse for their disobedience. But when we look at this passage, there weren't any signs of humility and contrition. Broken relationships were the initial consequences of their disobedience, but the later consequences were the judgment of God. If you read through the punishment meted out to the serpent, the woman, and the man, they hit directly at their roles and the mandate given to them. So, the Old Testament scholar Hamilton made a very keen observation. He said that to each of these trespassers, God speaks a word which involves both a life function. And a relationship life function and a relationship plus the snake is cursed in his mode of locomotion but also he has problems and hostility with the woman and the descendants of the woman then the woman shall experience pain at the point of childbearing but also in relationship with the husband and the man he will have to confront his disappointment as a worker through his estrangement from the soil and humanity will return back to dust just as they were made from dust they were banished from the garden and no longer have access to the tree of life because the tree of life will presumably have lengthened or continued or sustained their life without dying see men and women has fallen fallen to the biggest scam in the world and they are paying a huge price for it. And we see all of that today. If that's all we can say about it, that will really be tragic. But yet there are hints, hints of hope in this passage. Firstly, we see God continuing to care for Adam and Eve despite their disobedience and rebellion. Right? We see on the slide. According to verse 21 god made them garments or skins and clothed them and secondly next slide While there are, there will be constant enmity between the descendants of the serpent and the descendants of the woman it seems like the descendant of the woman will eventually win why because the woman was never cursed but the serpent was right and the mandate the mandate to be fruitful and to multiply was also not withdrawn. The fact that Adam could name the, his wife Eve, which means life, showed that he had faith that God will continue the line of human beings and eventually a descendant from the woman will crush the serpent and undo the consequences of the fall. For us now, Further, Revelation tells us that it's going to be the Lord Jesus, right? The second Adam who will ultimately fulfill this. And we see on the next slide, Romans 5, verse 17 tells us, For if because of one man's trespass, referring to Adam, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus came, he lived a life of, of obedience, unlike Adam, and his obedience brought him to the cross. And by his death on the cross, he paid the price for our disobedience, our rebellion, our sin will result in death. And through believing in him, trusting in him, we can have a life which Adam and all of us forfeited. And when Jesus comes again, there will be a new order. And Revelation 22 tells us that when that comes, there will be no more sin, no more curses, no more virus, and no more death. And we will once again see God face to face and have access to the tree of life. So what does that mean for us now as we wait for Jesus' return? Well, the ancient scam that Adam and Eve fell for is still with us today. The biggest scam, the biggest scam is that we can be God. And as far as I can tell, and Romans 1 affirms that, is that we have all fallen for it one way or another. All of us have been scammed. And how do we know that? firstly we know that we fell for the scam when we are always discontented so there was a period of time when uh, people around me was uh, always telling me how good a Dyson vacuum cleaner is how powerful it is tell me about the I don't know what you call it yeah the turbine or whatever how effortless it will be if you have one right so initially, I was a, a bit put off by the price, you know, it's quite expensive because I, I've never spent more than like 200 plus dollars for a vacuum cleaner. And the one that I've been using now, still using, has been with me for more than a decade, right? So I didn't consider it for a while. But then, I started to pay more attention to it whenever I co past an electronic shop. Ah, Dyson. And then I kept noticing, noticing the sale. Whenever there's a more, there's a sale. Oh, Dyson. When I see my email flyers, Lazada or whatever, Dyson. God, is this your will for me to buy one? (laughs) It is so pleasing to the eye and so good for the floor, right? And then I started rationalising to myself, well, if I have one, I can vacuum so much more efficiently with a Dyson and then I have more time and more energy to do everything else, like writing good sermons. And I can stop sending my car for car wash, you know. I can just vacuum it myself now. It will be cheaper. But it's not true. I counted. It's more expensive. But when it's not true, I brush it aside because it's not going to help with my, my, my trying to convince my wife about it. So I put it aside. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we cannot buy a Dyson vacuum cleaner, so don't be nervous. If you have one, don't be nervous. But I'm just illustrating that there is something in our hearts, something in our hearts that make us discontent with what we already have. See, we we keep thinking that life, life will only be good and perfect when I, you can fill in the blanks. It can be an object, a person, a job, a school, a course of study you name it and you know what when you get one you will somehow move on to the next thing it's Dyson today tomorrow you'll be iRobot see we have trouble rejoicing in the generosity of God in the present and we keep we keep hunting for the next pleasing thing in our sight And when that happens, my friends, we have fell for the scam. But secondly, we know that we fell for the scam when we belittle God's holiness and judgment. Because Adam and Eve belittle that and faced lasting and painful consequences in every aspect. And it can be the same for us today. You see, I often justify myself, you know, when I'm on the road that I, don't know, I say mean things about other drivers you know they have no manners. just anyhow cut in like this no signals you know like yeah and uh, and so dangerous you know their lives are at stake. you know and uh, so I think I, I have every right to scold them they deserve to be scolded because they're such bad drivers and likewise to our family to our parents to our children to our siblings we say it's alright to be angry with them because they have done something wrong of course I can be angry And then to our colleagues to our bosses we say it is normal to gossip about them because everyone is doing that and if i don't I, I may not even fit in we play god and decide what god can tolerate and what god approves but we totally and conveniently forget that the lord jesus said that even if we have angry thoughts against someone we have committed murder we totally and conveniently for ignore the fact that Jesus came to bear the wrath for the very sins that we are still committing and we conveniently and totally forget that he will one day come to judge the living and the dead so do not do not belittle his holiness and his judgment because if we do we have fallen to the scam again. But lastly, we know that we fell for the scam when we decide what is good and what is evil in our own sight. Now this can take many different forms. Now one form of it uh, is when we cannot agree with what God revealed to us as good and evil in his word. So we prefer to let the prevailing culture, or our own reasoning, decide. So for example, if God tells us, told us clearly, that all sorts of sexual immorality is wrong, be it pornography, adultery, sex outside of marriage, same-sex relationship, it's all against his good design and will. But if we decide that well, that's not true. That's not right. Then we have rejected God as the lawgiver and made ourselves the lawmaker. Another form of this is that when we doubt God's goodness in what He said is good and evil, just like Eve, she bought the idea that God was somehow restricting us and preventing us from our full enjoyment. Our full potential. So, for example, the Lord has told us that we shouldn't marry a non Christian. So, do you read that as God's protection and His provision for you? Or do you read it as God's restrictive prohibition on us? And then, when the Lord tells us that we are not to chase after the things of this world our money, our status, our prestige do you see that as God's love for you? Or is that just foolishness? And even if trials and difficulties come our way, will we trust his character and his love shown on the cross for us? Or will we reject him as God and say, I can do better if I am God? My friends, we know that we have fell for the scam when we doubt god's goodness and decide how things should be done and what is good and what is evil for ourselves so friends brothers and sisters in christ the biggest scam is when we think that we can be like god or we can be god just like adam and eve did and the irony is that we are already made in the image of god but is now marred and distorted through sin the reach for divinity did no good for Adam and Eve, and it will do no good for us. Just like them, we will not only fail to gain something we do not have and we cannot have, but we will also lose what we currently have, our relationship with God and with others. But in contrast, we have the Lord Jesus Christ, Who did not count in quality with God something to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of man and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross and now through him my friends all who repent and trust in him can find forgiveness and grace To live truly as God's people again. People who are made in His image and renewed in Christ. Let us go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come humbly before you. We come humbly before you, knowing that we too, just like Adam and Eve, Have fallen into the scam of trying to be God. And many times we, in our actions, in our thoughts, we have decided what is good, decided what is evil, and ignored (coughs) what you have already revealed to us. Forgive us, Lord, and we pray, God. That because of the lord jesus christ we can truly be forgiven and we pray that your spirit will enable us now to to live for you to live truly as your people to be aware of the schemes of the evil one to be aware of the leanings of our hearts and we pray god that you may infuse us with your word reminding us and warning us and teaching us all the time to know that you are God and we are not. And we are to live under you, knowing that it is your good provision and protection for us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.